0: Welcome to another edition of Influence, the global podcast that shines a spotlight on the influencer marketing industry. My name is Gordon Glenister, and among my many roles, I'm the global head of influencer marketing at the Branded Content Marketing Association, which is a professional membership organization representing the branded content and influencer marketing industry. But I'm also a keynote speaker and consultant in the sector and soon-to-be-published author on Influencer Marketing Strategy. In this podcast series, you're going to hear me interview all sorts of people from the world of Influencer Marketing. But before we start, please don't forget to subscribe to this podcast series, uh, just to make sure that you don't miss a future episode. In today's edition, we're going to be discussing the growth in brand advocacy at customer level. So we've all seen the growth in the use of micro-influencers over the last few years, which has now been even extended to nano-influencers, i.e. those that have got less than 10,000 followers. Lots of brands, however, are realizing that there's a wealth of influence among regular consumers that have a highly engaged community. These, of course, are natural fans of the products and happy to share content and talk about products because they truly love them. Bring on the ambassador program. Some brands will not only run successful influencer campaigns but also consider creating communities of fans led by advocates or ambassadors. So, to talk more about this, I'd love to welcome my guest today, Paul Archer, who's the CEO and founder of brand advocacy platform DualTech. And I started by asking about what Dual does.
1: So Jules is a brand advocacy platform. Um, We work with passion-led brands who basically want to grow organically through through the passion of their their customers, those that 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 matter most to them. And uh, the technology allows them to build really fun, interesting, interactive advocacy and loyalty clubs, membership clubs that, that um, rewards and celebrates those customers for talking about the brand, completing various different activities, posting social, referring people, filling in surveys, creating content, um, collaborating on new products. Um, As well as what they buy, and so basically hitting the kind of the 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 dual efforts of driving word of mouth and uh, new customer acquisition, and also increasing the lifetime value and the retention of those those that are there as well, and kind of combining those to to basically create a an organic growth machine. So that's what the tech does, and you know, super passionate about all, all things and the idea of organic growth. Previously, I, I used to be a brand ambassador for about thirty different brands in, in the in the outdoor and, and adventure space. And but after that, I had a my, my business partner and I, we we made games and made apps and games. And, and basically, the way that that industry works is it's all about the virality and, and the organic growth. And you're able to actually measure and level like reward people within the product for sharing it. You control the entire process, and so um, you you know how that growth looks like. And, and it got to a, a state that we were we were venture-backed and we'd um, had a launch that was going to take over the world. We were going to be featured by the US App Store and it's going to be phenomenal. And um, we ended up being big in Turkey and, and that was about it. it. It was very apparent to us that the product, when it went live, wasn't going to work. We could measure everything. We, could, we knew that this wasn't hitting the right metrics, which has really been optimized for science in that space, that it was going to get exponential growth. And we had a big marketing budget. And we said, we're not going to spend it. And um, we tried to give it back to the, to the VCs and, and they, they couldn't get their head around why we weren't going to just buy these users who weren't going to tell their friend. We knew, knew where it was going to go eventually. And so we realized that this idea of organic growth um, is something which if someone can figure out how to make it as easy to invest in as buying an ad, then that's going to be the next Facebook. So we packed up that app. We, uh, we did a very hard pivot and we, we started Jewel.
0: Mm. I mean one of the things that's fascinated me is I think consumers are just turning off some of the traditional forms of advertising aren't they I mean we, we, we even see you know uh, email marketing is almost dying on its you know it's not not really resonating anymore is it and uh, and some of the other forms of advertising are just not uh, are not just generating the uh, the click-throughs that uh, that people want um, why do you think people have found brand efficacy so effective
1: well if you imagine the you, you everyone has made a purchase and you've made a purchase that has come from a recommendation from a friend and you then don't do any research about it you don't look into the competitors you just buy it and you trust that it's going to do what it says because they that they, that brand actually hasn't had to break down any of those trust barriers that you normally would do it when you make a purchase because you trust the person that recommended it and that's enough and that that is the key to this idea of advocacy. And the, the, there are sort of a couple of elements that, that have to be in play there, which is that you trust that person um, and you trust that that person is making the right decision about that product. And I think that fundamentally that is where a lot of the, the models that are used around influencer marketing is just broken at its core because you know, if you use one of these search engines to identify you know, today's greatest reality TV star – to pretend to like your product and get paid for it. Next week, they're going to pretend to like someone else's product and possibly your competitors. And their audiences know full well that these people have been paid to do this, and they've never used it. They have no faith in it. They're not actual advocates. They're you know they're getting reach, they're getting um, exposure, which is which is fine, but it's not advocacy, and it's something very very different. Um, so this idea of of paying someone to pretend is the problem. Now it works some people can get around this some people have a high enough level of trust with their their audiences um big and small but it always has to come from a fact that they say i really use and i love this product and they can show that they do one of the kind of the key key tenets of that is that they talk about it on an ongoing basis it's not just a one-off post and so actually a lot of money has flown out of influencer marketing because of this this issue now as you sort of outlined, now now our belief at Jewel is that this, this kind of trend as people have tried to get sort of lower down to try and kind of commercialize and scale this idea of paying someone is actually part of the problem, the biggest problem. And actually the reason is that they've come, they're have taking it from the complete wrong angle. So if you actually go from a top-down approach, there's an inflection point, and it's different depending on what industry you're in, but it's around 20,000 followers where an individual, an influencer, goes from being an individual to a company and you know they'll have agents they'll have contracts and service level agreements and all those kind of things and that, that that then is a b2b relationship and that's what you know the majority of influencer marketing is now the ability to try and move down to work with someone with 10,000 followers or 7,000 followers or 2,000 followers those aren't businesses those are individuals and if you try to work with them like an like a business it just doesn't scale and you actually need a huge amount of scale for that to work now what we've found is that if you approach that from a complete different approach instead of thinking let's get smaller influencers and you think which of my customers are slightly more influential than the others you change the paradigms and actually you can get a huge amount of reach. And what's the most important thing is because they're customers, they love you already. You know, they probably have your products. You don't even have to gift them. They won't want to get paid necessarily. They want to be featured by the brands that they love. They'll take free product gifting. They'll take store credits um, long before they ever expect any of these other things. And suddenly you can actually scale these engagements and you get true authenticity. People are talking about it on an ongoing basis. And these guys are, are true brand ambassadors. And it's, this area which is where things get really really exciting and we've seen some some huge successes with with brands that are um, you know eclipsing their influencer marketing activity and spending no money on it because they targeted their customers first.
0: What sort of uh, case studies have you found that's been particularly effective or what type of industries uh, have you found?
1: The outdoor industry and the sports industry is they've been doing this for years right so like that uh, outdoor You know, they were sponsoring athletes and um, long before anyone had ever used the term influencer. Um and it's very well established this this idea of sports marketing. And so if you look at any of the big outdoor brands, you look at the Nikes of the world doing it um in the seventies, it it, that's where it all kind of kind of originated from and it's and it has evolved. So basically, yes, you want your pros who are global world world beating pros to be using your bike to win the races or your shoes or whatever it is. But then actually they would always work down individually on a country by country state basis to to pick out that talent um who are in that amateur ranks. Because when they win, it's like, oh, they've won on that bike. quite cool. I could win a race on that bike too and I'm gonna go and buy it. And I think that the influence that you can take from that, taking it into other industries is is something that's 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 really important. Um, because it's really about again, that's advocacy. They're using the product. We've found success in in ambassador programs in, in various different ones. It you'd expect in its different nature some some channels your beauty and jewelry and um, fashion you know you get much more sort of social social influences and some they they post out and actually they have a a lot more followers but it's probably less impactful and sort of working you can really scale ambassador programs in that area one of our most successful clients um brands using the the jewel platform is is a fishing brand who are tapping into they have a, an ambassador program run across 22 countries with you know hundreds of these pro fishermen who are creating some of the most incredible content it will absolutely blow your minds it's phenomenal and these are these are 45 year old blokes right so <laughs> this this isn't your 18 year old influencer these are 45 year old blokes and they they just know their game but the thing is they love the products and they've come as a customer first and they'd be able to create good content and maybe create to have a bit of reach maybe not maybe it's just their ability to create the content which has allowed them to be be picked out of a, a customer loyalty program um uh, and actually put into their their what we call a social customer um, because i think the term influencer is very much overused and, and has certain connotations actually these guys aren't influencers they're, they're they're slightly more influential than your average but they really are customers at the heart
0: so somebody that hasn't actually put together uh, an ambassador program before what sort of advice would you give them
1: if they've got enough money to be able to spend money on an ambassador program they will have customers they'll have a crm with thousands tens of thousands hundreds of thousands of them there so start there offer, offer them the opportunity to reward them for products for posting and various different things basically the approach is we tend to find that as soon as you have more than 50 in a program it becomes very unwieldy and difficult to manage so until that point you know you need a spreadsheet and that's it that's good to go maybe some discount codes and you can start tapping tapping into these guys and asking them to to do it you can i would the, the first place instead of searching for for lookalike audiences you know if you're into fishing, don't search for other fishermen, search for people who are already talking about you. you know, search for your own hashtags, your own brand when people use it. And obviously search within your own CRM and your own follower account of people who know who you are and, and invite those guys and give them the opportunity to sign up to be a part of it. Now, once you've reached that kind of 50 point, which is, which is something where, where we we sort of specialize in, in scaling those programs to hundreds, if not thousands of members, you really need, need some software to actually manage that. There's a few different ways, a few different things on the, on the market that will track you know, affiliate links and discounts. Our approach to it with the dual platform is to build a tiered rewards program where they can level up, they can sign up to it, they can verify who they are, they can upload content, they can verify... Um, social post and it pulls in all the social things and it rewards each, each thing with points and as they level up into another tier that will unlock 200 pound gift card for example or a or, uh, uh, money can't buy access to a product and then they complete a bunch of different things collaborate maybe on the new product and then they level up to the next one they become a much more of an exclusive tier of VIPs and get invited to the factory they also get you know free product and then they then go and create more content using the free product that you've gifted them uh, at no point are they being paid? And if they get paid, they should only get paid a percentage of the sales that they they drew. Because if you start paying, so as soon as you pay someone once, they'll expect to get paid for everything they do. So if you pay someone for a post, they'll want to get paid for every post and you only get one post. If you don't pay them, they will give you five posts and 10 posts because they love the brand. And um, if you gamify the mechanic, you engage with them, celebrate them, talk about them and actually facilitate to take a community building mindset to your ambassador program, you will build a resource that will carry on giving, like, year on year. This isn't a one-off short-term thing. These guys will be your first people you put your new products out to. They'll be the people you ask for feedback. They'll be the guys who are driving. When you do a new product launch, you give it to those guys first, and then suddenly you have, you know, 500 or 1,000 people who are, disseminating your brand story to their own network so if, if, they, if they've got a thousand people in that network that's great if they've got five thousand that's even better you shouldn't really worry about how much of the reach they've got as long as they love you and they've got a little bit of reach and that's that's enough i'll get you going
0: can the brand buy any of the content so buy any of the images from the ambassador
1: with our our technology they actually get the rights to the image straight away okay but these aren't professionals, don't forget, in, in most cases. So the value of their content, their activities, uh, there, there isn't really a, there's not a market rate going for it because they're no. not really being paid for it elsewhere. They're opting in as well. So these, you set the terms, you're saying, this is our program. Everything you upload, we own the rights to. But if you do XYZ, you'll get this, which is really cool. Do you want to do that? Yes or no? And if they do, they'll do it and they'll get it. And if they don't, they can go elsewhere. You really control that dialogue uh, as a brand. And because you control that dialogue, you're able to scale it, and if you're in dealing with someone with who's a customer in essence, you've got 500 followers, 1,000 followers, 2,000 followers, but is the the type of person who wants to post about it? You actually need scale. You need hundreds to do that. Really, that is actually the the, the other thing which is worth kind of touching on here. You know, we're talking about influencers and um, the kind of the, there is a demographic. It, it's the type of person who will want to post to social about a brand, and now most brands think this is every single one of their customers. It's actually, in my, it's a minority. It's, you know, I I have never posted about a brand and use a hashtag and, and I, I don't know about you, You've got Gordon. Maybe you have, maybe you have, the majority of people don't do that. Some people will do it and actually their willingness to do that often, they're maybe trying to start off as an influencer or maybe they're just the kind of person that, posts about that sort of stuff that's far more important than actually their reach is is their willingness to do that and actually that often is the way that we we segment them so with jewel we'll often build a a customer program which is you know a a loyalty program which rewards customers for what they buy but also for for everything that they do and then if they show that they want to post to social we then identify them as a social customer and put them into this other group and these ambassadors and actually work with them in a different way give them more just be overly generous with them and then you can then leverage them in a different way that most of your customers won't be very useful for and the the massive benefit you get from it is but it goes hand in hand that these guys create amazing content so Mm. UGC that comes from customers is it's sometimes okay (laughs) UGC that comes from these social customers is almost always brilliant
0: I mean what's been the sort of st- in the last uh, year or so for you what's been the standout campaigns in brand advocacy that you can highlight and why
1: hmm two um one is very new one is, one is um one went live the very very start of this this um this year so the the one that went live at the beginning of the year is a, is a children's wear brand called freegie and so they're not a not a a massive massive brand they've they've got this incredibly passionate customer base who just loves them they're they're a a, a very ecological brand they're built the whole design was because the founder couldn't find clothes that would go over reusable nappies so um, that demographic very passionate about the brand and about their cause what they've done is they've built a a customer rewards program um, really focused around content so they can use their customers kids as the stars of the show basically and so within about six months i think they generated over 40,000 pieces of content which have been tagged with all the products that's in it and now if you go on frugi's website pretty much every single page unless it's a brand new product that'd been released yesterday um, will have a rich gallery of customers of their real customers wearing those products Often with a testimonial talking about it sometimes with heartwarming stories attached to it it's a it's a phenomenal project and um, you know it, they're a great brand and and this is it, it's a great program so that's on the very much the far end of the customer program. There's very little commercialization on that at all. Um, another one which is worth checking out is the Monica Vinader Insiders program. Uh, this is much, much newer, but you'll see by searching on some of the hashtags there, they are generating thousands of social posts from amazing what you would probably call micro-influencers uh, or nano-influencers. These are the social customer programs and they are scaled out. Know, there's hundreds and hundreds in there and it's, um, it's a really really great program because these 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 customers the content they create they're super passionate about the brand it's super authentic and it's at scale which means that they're able to to use them to pull levers for whatever it is black friday coming up or other discounts that they've got just to to use them as awareness tool to um to try and push people out so i'd, I'd, I'd look at those but there's all sorts of really cool ones going out on. we, we've we've launched i not 20 or something in the past past year um, alone and there's a lot more in, in the pipe we've got some really exciting ones in the pipeline for the next year
0: too. that's good um, just before we go I just want to have a little bit of a word on employee advocacy because that's an area that is also growing in attention you know brands are realising that they've got these thousands of uh, vocal individuals many of them of course are online and that gives them an opportunity to be talking about their brand uh, or offering them the opportunity to get involved so uh, what's your view about um you know uh, you know ambassador programs linked to employees
1: yeah uh, i'm super excited about this as a channel um we're about to actually launch our first one Again, it's it's not dissimilar to the idea that social customers is when people have used employee advocacy, it's not it's not a new term, it's been around for quite a long time. It it often is used as terms of like recruiting other employees. You're thinking about your kind of your HQ staff, people who are really embedded in the company, how do you work with them to tell your company story um, and and recruitment features heavily and it tends to be a HR policy. Now, marketing don't really look at it in any way. However, what's changing is if you are a large retailer, you have 10,000 store associates around the country who are generally, you know, it is someone who's 18 years old and they're working on a Saturday and Sunday, the weekends. They have far more in common with the customer walking through the door than they do with HQ staff. And actually, therefore, extending your kind of customer uh, programs to them, but giving them exclusive benefits, giving them better rewards, and also giving them product, particularly in the sort of fashion area for, for, for a lot of these things, you know, they they will get a discount uh, as, a, as an employee, but giving them more, giving them store credit, so they continue to buy more and more means that they will then be able to create and share content with their audience. And so we're just launching a new feature where actually you can call, call, call rep pages, it's this social selling activity where each one of these individuals be that an ambassador or be that an employee or a customer can actually create content of a look for example tag it with the products and then share it and their friends can then shop the look and they can then go and make a purchase and you can track it and reward them for the purchases that have been driven um and and this idea of that 18 year old working behind the counter that person's network they love the brand they live the brand and their network is completely underutilized. But if you can tap into that, it becomes this vast resource that is completely underutilized in almost every single brand you look at. So that's like the own stuff. And the, the other one is, it's a bit more common in the US than it is in the UK. Some of them are called pro programs, which is they give discounts to professionals in the industry. And this tends to mean, I mean, it's an outdoor thing predominantly. Um, every outdoor brand will give a 20% discount to industry professionals. They also give it to you know firefighters and ambulance workers and, and things like that. And it's it's almost like a it has to be done. It's not even a, a perk. It's just expected um, in, in many ways. But actually some brands are now looking at ways that they can make that something really exciting. We're working with a large outdoor brand who are going to be tapping into the store associates at retailers, but not that, you know, they're a brand, but the multi-brand retailer, you go outdoors or, or whatever it is. That individual who is telling you about this product was a product A by this brand or product B by another brand. You know, when you go in and you buy walking boots or a bike or a snowboard or a, a jacket, you really trust that person's opinion. And if they're a member of the brand club and they're getting educated to the new products when they come out, they know all about the materials that are used and they're getting free samples and ex- invited to events and all sorts of things, they are always going to recommend that brand over the other one when they do it. And this is something which is very hard to track. But the value, we've all been in that position where we went, all right, we'll go with whatever you say. The value you can drive there is huge. And I think that you're going to see an explosion of, of brands who are tapping into these, these enthusiasts, particularly in the outdoor space. They love the outdoors. They love, they love um, the brands that they work with. It's the opportunities to get closer. And to 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 get free product because we all love free product is is um, is something that they all want to do and the value that they can drive to the brand is is exponentially more than the cost it will give them and even if they give free goods to these to every single one of these they will drive so much so much benefit so I'm super excited about where that goes but it's the the shift is fundamental that it's not a HR project this is a marketing project tapping into you know every brand is a network. And that met network is made up of these sub-communities of advocates who all have the ability to tell the brand story in an incredibly trusted manner. And it's now this kind of evolution of brand advocacy and and where marketing is heading away from like you were saying with buying ads, that's been so saturated that you, there's only marginal returns that could be had there. But exploring how you can tap into the, the various different networks and communities, celebrate those advocates and actually drive them to get word of mouth and increase lifetime value. Um, and therefore, organic growth of the brand is the, the next big opportunity and something I expect to see exploding over the next 5-10 years. This podcast is supported by the Branded Content Marketing Association, promoting the value of influencer marketing globally.
0: That's it for another edition of Influence. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and give me your feedback, which is feedback at influencepodcast.net. Or you can follow me on LinkedIn, Instagram or Twitter, where you'll also uh, be able to ask me a question. Thanks also to my producer, Neil Whiteside from Freedom One. And until next time, from me, Gordon Glenister. it's bye for now.